Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Praise the Lord. I just move on. Father, we thank you for this moment. We just ask, O oh Lord, for insight. We ask for understanding. We ask for wisdom. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you alone, Jesus, by your Spirit, we interpret to us your word. Cause that which is sealed to be broken in Jesus' name. All right, we continue. Uh, this you may probably call it the part three of the rapture series that we are dealing with. But uh, get this uh, understanding: we are actually answering questions that people send to us, and uh, we have been dealing with the issue of Revelation chapter ten, from verse number one to four. We're still on that, but there's an aspect of it that came out by reason of uh, the cloud, you know. Um, because it talks about the rainbow cloud that was upon his head. And so, questions came in that relates to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And so, we got to answer that. So, for those of us watching for the first time, maybe... You can find a way to go back to the previous series and then you'll be able to catch up with what we're doing now. Uh, but tonight we're going to be dealing with um, two basic or three basic scriptures. But just like last week, we tried to um, look into the issue of the application of the word trumpet. You know, we dealt with that last week. We're still going to touch it a little bit. And then we'll go to First Corinthians chapter 14, I mean 15. On verse 51 and 52. But let's read from 1 Corinthians dealing with the issue of the trumpet. We tried to explain to us last week that trumpet have nothing to do with literal objects that some angels are going to sound one day. Trumpet all through the scriptures refers to messages. Alright. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and then verse 51 and the Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And that verse 52 says, And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Praise God. And that's what we looked at last week. And then I tried to emphasize the word says last trump. Last trump. And that is very important. When something is last, then there is none S after that one. That is the last one. And then we also try to say, when you say about uh, 
last trump, that means there were some other trumps before this one. And so, by the time you understand that trumpet speaks of messages, then you should be able to know that all the messages that have been going on, we've got a lot of messages going on. You must understand, right from the days of Martin Luther, all through the ages, we have messages going on, salvation message, prosperity message, all of these things are trumpets that have been sounded by various people. Praise God. Okay, so First Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, uh, the Bible says, First Thessalonians 4 verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend with, uh, from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then I try to explain to you, if this trump of God is the same thing you find in First Corinthians 15, which is called last trump. So the last trump is the same thing as a trump of God. And we see clearly from scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15 what follows the sounding of that trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this mortal must put on what? Immortality. This corruption must put on what? Incorruption. And, and, and so that's exactly what this place is talking about as well. But again, you need to understand the dead in Christ have nothing to do with men that are lying down in the cemetery. We've explained that severally. How many of you remember that? Dead in Christ has to do with those who have been ruled by Christ's spirit. Just like those who are wallowing in sin, the Bible refers to them as dead in sin. That is just that. They have nothing to do with the man in the cemetery. Anybody that has been buried somewhere, uh, that one is referred to as sleep in Jesus or to be asleep. Praise God. Okay, so now let's get down again to Revelation chapter 10 and verse number 7. And so the Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin, begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he have been declared to his servant, the prophet. So what then is the mystery of God that is finished? Don't forget that. He says, It's the trump of God, the dead will be raised incorruptible. And then, when this last trump sounds, because remember, this last trump, with the voice of the seventh angel, is directly connected, like I explained to you, from Revelation 8 through 12, you're able to see that there were about um, seven trumpets that were going to be sounding. Is that okay? All right. So, the but this one is made us understand here that the last one, which is the seventh angel, when it sounds, the mystery of God is finished. So we need to find out what again is supposed to be the mystery of God. Um, there are several places you need to understand this, but let me just take a few, I mean, look, look at a few of them. Like in Ephesians 3, uh, let's look at 2 to 6. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 to 6. Uh, it's very important to read it. He said, if you have heard of the dispensation of the, the grace of God which is given to me, to you world, and then he goes on to say, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. And the verse 4 says, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of who? Of Christ. The mystery of Christ. Okay? And then 
It said, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and it's now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6 says, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So one of the major mysteries that you find in the Bible is that the Gentiles are becoming fellow heirs through Christ. Did you get that? Now, so, you see, when the message begins to sound, everything that is mystery is finished. What that really means is, that which is hidden, that which is secret, that which people don't know about, will come alive. So, Paul here is saying that one of the mysteries that have been in Christ, now, this mystery is hidden in Christ. In other words, it's only in Christ that the, the Gentiles can become fellow heirs. Or the body of Christ. Is that okay? Because the Gentiles could not partake of the Jewish system. Remember, even at the worship in the temple, you don't find the Gentiles. They have their own separate place, separated. Is that okay? But now that separation, that middle wall of partition was broken down when Jesus came. And that is one of the major mysteries you find in the Bible. Now the message of reconciliation that have to do with the kingdom of God is one of the things that finishes this mystery. And is part of the sounding of this seventh trumpet of the seventh angel. Is that okay? Praise God. Okay, so um, let's move on again. Look at First Corinthians 12 verse 13. Bible says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Praise God. Alright. Okay, you can also look at Ephesians 5, let's say 31 and 32. Uh, 31, 32, Ephesians 5. And it says, for this cause shall all men leave his father and mother and shall join unto his wife and they two shall be one flesh. And then he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and what? The church. So everything we're talking about the mystery is actually talking about Christ and the church. How that the Gentiles are becoming partakers of this one body. You see, in other words, through this message of reconciliation and bringing all things back unto God, we have been able to understand that God is no longer discriminating. The law can no longer be there to function to begin to discriminate between the Jews and the Gentiles. No male, no female. Everything is coming together as one exactly the way it was from the very beginning. Okay. Colossians 1 verse 27. I'm just looking at a few things about this mystery. Um, to whom God will make known unto what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. That is all of it. The mystery is all about Christ. And all what God intends to do in man. So when he when the last trump is sung, the mystery of God is finished. It's no longer something that people cannot understand or cannot comprehend. You know, this message opens up everything that looks sealed. Praise the living God. Everything that looks mysterious, everything that looks like a secret, is opened up when this message begins to sound. 
So it's a clear message. It's a method of clarity that reveals God's intent and purposes for creation and in creation. Praise the living God. So what are we saying? The message of this last trump is the message of perfection, which is the voice of the Son. Going forward today on the earth. And this message will bring to maturity his body, which is the church. Is that okay? This is the only message that can bring the church to the place of maturity. Every other message I've ever been hearing are fragmented messages. Messages that cannot bring man to completion. Whatever level of message you've been receiving, think about it. It cannot bring you to the realization that Christ dwells in you. Is that okay? It can bring you to that. The best you can hear, maybe you're going to prosper, you're going to have mansion. The best you can hear, well, maybe you're going to go to heaven. The best you can hear, well, God believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. All of these things are chase of messages, but nothing brings you to the place of maturity. Other than this message of the kingdom, which is a message of perfection that has to do with the sound of the last trumpet. That makes you to come to the place of knowing again that you can become who God intentionally intended you to be from the very beginning. The intention of God from from the very beginning is that man may become one with him in terms of being his image and world and likeness. This is the only message that really explains to you that you can be restored to the original intention of God from the very beginning. Praise the living God. Look at Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 again. Wow. So here was Ephesians 1, 22-23. And the Bible says, And I put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Verse 23. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all, and in all. Hallelujah. Now we know that the church is made up of the Jews and the Gentiles right from the day of Pentecost. That's when this thing began to happen. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So, so we find again that when you are giving birth to a baby, the head comes out first. Is that okay? Well, now the Bible says here, Christ is the head of the body. So you find that the maturity we are looking at is first demonstrated by Christ. So, everything that Christ was and is, is what his body is eventually going to become. Do you understand what I mean now? The church has been budgeted, but you must understand that Christ is the head of the church. And for a baby to be born, the head comes first. And since the head comes forth for the baby to be born, for the body to follow, Christ with the head has already gone forth. Showing what the body is eventually going to be. But I'm saying that it is this message that brings you to the understanding. That everything that Jesus ever will be, is what the church is going to be. Praise the Lord. So Christ who is the head of the church, the body now, is the firstborn among many brethren. You can look at that in Hebrew, I mean Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8 29. Praise the Lord. 
It said, for whom he did for new, he also did predestined to be conformed many years before he finally even began to die naturally. Am I correct? It took many years. How many years? So, it's not a question of you just thinking about what, you know, it, the Lord is reversing everything. He's taking his time to reverse everything because it took time for man to go down to the level that he went to. Praise God. So, what we're dealing with in the first place is uh, Romans 8, and so we said, uh, For whom he did for new, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be, that's what I want you to catch there, he might be what? The firstborn among many brethren. He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Therefore, if the hell is matured, like I said, then the body cannot be an exception. Hence the washing of the body by the water of the word. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, 23 to 27, the Bible made us understand that the body of Christ, which is the church, is being washed by the word, by Christ himself, that might present the church to himself. Is that okay? Right. He's doing that through the word and by the word. Praise the living God. So, the last trump is calling and bringing the fellow heirs of Christ into the realm of perfection, maturity, and the process being carried out inwardly to be manifested outwardly as we are raised into his incorruptible life of the spirit. A grand work is ongoing, unknown to many people, to even you and I, that so much is happening within you, you may not understand it, but a change is taking place on your inside. Praise the living God. And this change will finally come to the place of full materialization. What I mean is, from the inward, there's going to be an outward expression of that which is happening on your inside. It's exactly what we're saying on Sunday when you begin to think about the glory of the eighth day. When Jesus manifested the glory, which is the transfiguration, it was from the inside of him, but it reflected on the outside. That is a work that is taking place in your spirit right now. You may not understand how it's working, but that's exactly the, what is going on. That there's going to be a fullness of time when this, that which is happening within you will be manifested outwardly. Praise the Lord. All right. So far, we can find that it's clear the last trump, as we find here, correspond to the seven trumpets of the series of the seven trumpets we were finding in the book of Revelation from chapter 8, 1 to 8, and so on and so forth. And so, Revelation chapter 8 again, uh, we may not be able to read all of that, but I just want us to move, you can read from 1 to 8. When he talks about saw the heavens, we stood before God, and to them we're given seven trumpets. But I want us to move very quickly to Revelation 11, verse 15 to 18. Revelation 11 from 15 to 18. Praise the Lord. Now, here I want you to find that there's something very interesting about this seven trumpet again. Something associated with this seven trumpet and very powerful as we're going to see from this particular passage. Now here the Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, 
And there were great voices in heaven saying, you watch this. The kingdom of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And it shall reign forever and ever. Praise the living God. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Now, this pronouncement is directly connected to the sound of the seven trumpets. You see? So the seven trumpet carries the message of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. So the seven ages sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and it shall reign forever and ever. And the Bible says, and the nations were angry and the wrath is come at the time of the day that they should be judged and that that thou should give reward unto thy servants and the prophet unto the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great, and I should destroy them when destroy the earth. You can just look at all of that. Praise the Lord. Now the basic three things we find in 4 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 are also associated with this. For it says, 4 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the child with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead the Christ shall ask for 17 says Then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And these are the same thing we read also uh, from 1 Corinthians 15.51-52 So when you go through these three major passages down to Revelation what you're going to find is one there is a trumpet sound and basically, it is the seventh and the last trumpet. From Revelation, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians. You find these three things there. One, the trumpet sound. And the trumpet sound is equal to the seventh or the last. And it's also called the trump of God. Is that okay? Good. Now, at the sounding of that trumpet, something always happens. The time of the dead will be raised. Which means that trumpet produces resurrection life. Are you following that? Very good. Then number three is the time for the reward of the saints. Which of course includes the change from mortality to immortality. Praise the Lord. As we put on his divine nature or his full nature. So these are the three things you find associated with the last trumpet. So anytime you talk about the last trump, three things come to your mind. One is a trumpet, is the last one, is the trump of God, is really connected to resurrection, which is raising the dead. And the dead is not just those in the cemetery that will be flying from the graveyard. He's not talking about that. He's talking about those who are dead in sin and trespasses. And he's talking about those who are dead in Christ. Maybe I need to read a scripture here for you to understand. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3 verse number 1. And this is what it says. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God, you reason together with Him. You reason with Him. It is a you shall. He say it is done. 
Then verse 2, and he says, Search affection of things above, not of things of the earth. Verse 3, For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Ye are dead. Even now that you are breathing, scriptures say you are dead. That's what it means. It is these dead people that are being raised, not the dead corpse in the cemetery. And somebody needs to understand that there is nobody in the cemetery. And that may shock you. The Bible makes it very clear. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7. So when a man dies, the spirit goes back to God who gave it. Jesus prayed and said, into thy hand I commend my spirit. You don't find anybody in the grave. Spirit is gone out. First Corinthians 15 again, Paul said, when you, let's look at that from, let's, let's, let's 35. Let's look at verse 35. Let me see if that's what I needed to share with you. First Corinthians 15 verse 35. Let me see. That is exactly what I needed to share with you. If you can find it in your machine, we just put it up there. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? What's the next thing? Thou fool. Thou quit thou sweat is not quicken except it dies. Verse 37. And thou quit thou sweat, thou sweat not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may be chance of wheat or some other grain. Look at the next thing. But God giveth it a body and it shall please him. And to every seed his own body. Did you understand that? This is what resurrection means. When a man dies, praise the living God. You getting it? And praise the Lord. Okay. And again we said that when the trump begins to sound, which is the last trump, something happens like we find in the book of Revelation. What is it that happens there? It's a time for the dead to be judged and the saints to be rewarded. So it's a time for reward. You need to get that. That's very important. Praise the living God. A typical example I will show you is from Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 7. Anytime people look at the Bible, what they see is judgment that is coming. And they you know, they will want to tell you how to escape the judgment and so on and so forth. Let's look at this. This, this scripture now, we we'll read it up to verse number 10. Uh, we we'll read up to verse number 10. And the Bible says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished? With everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of what? Of his power. When he shall come to be glorified where? In the saints. And to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So you have to understand this. When judgment is coming, but essentially remember, this was written about the AD 50. As we relate to a historical perspective, 
in terms of audience relevance, who was Paul writing to primarily? He was writing to the Jewish, I mean the Thessalonical Christians were facing persecution and especially for those who were troubling them. Who were those troubling the Thessalonical church as we are the Jewish, I mean the early believers of the Jewish people? They were the Jewish Christians. I mean the Jewish believers that were troubling the Jewish converts. Is that okay? Right. And this is what he's saying. So what he was telling you primarily, to a large degree, in terms of prophetic perspective, this was fulfilled in AD 70. When judgment came, the saints were glorified, and those who stood against the gospel of Christ they were actually punished. That's how to do with the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, as part of that. But again, as you see this in terms of kingdom perspective, you find that there also comes a time in creation as God is working out His perfect will, that Christ will be glorified in this thing. So sometimes, one thing I want to point out to you is this, you don't always continue to, now to be looking at judgment, you should be looking at the fact that even when judgment is going on, the saints are being glorified. This thing happens simultaneously. Praise the living God. While judgment may be going on, some person may be in judgment or whatever the case may be, the saints of God, Christ has been glorified in them. And the Bible says, to be admired in them by those who believe not. You find a thing that happened in similar situation with somebody like Apostle Peter. In the book of Acts, 3 down to 4, we're made to understand when the man that was crippled or whatever lame was healed at the beautiful gate, you know the story? Very good. Chapter 4, reading down the Bible made us understand that the people took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. That's the admiration. And Peter rightly said the same thing. Silver and gold have I known, but that which I have I gave unto you. What was he having? He was having Christ within him. The Christ in him showed up as a miracle and that man stood up. Is that okay? Very good. And so he said, See, and gold have I know, but I have something which I can release, and that was Christ. And that's why I made you to understand that Peter lived so much in the glory of God that his shadow was healing people. I mean, if you remember the story. Very good. His shadow was healing people. And like I said before, it had nothing to do with his shadow in terms of light is up and the shadow is cast this way. Because if that is the case, then the shadow of Peter would not have been able to heal those by the side of the road. Because the Bible made us understand when Peter was walking everywhere, six folks were laid and they were all getting up and getting healed. That means something was coming out of Peter. So it was not a natural shadow. The shadow we're talking about is the glory of God. Praise the Lord. That was the glory of God. So that is why you begin to read when the Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under what? The shadow of the Almighty. But you see, scripture tells us precisely that God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. So you can't find shadow in God. So the shadow of God is the glory of God. And that's what Peter carried. And that's what Peter was, you know, walking with and moving around. And I'm saying this is exactly the way it's going to be. That the time comes in the life of the children of God when Christ is to be glorified in them. It's not about you shouting about let the sick dead, let devils come out, whatever. You just be walking and things will be happening. Something oozing out of your life. 
you distributing the glory of God, manifesting the Christ that is within you. Don't forget, He is the head. We are the body. If the head gets matured, the body also gets matured. Praise the Lord. So, there is no indication in any way here, the scripture we just read, that the saints will believe in the earth in terms of what is called the rapture. Is that okay? Come on, are you here with me? Okay. Before the trumpet sound or whatever the case may be, nothing to indicate that like the pre-tribulation is what will make us believe. But the Bible says when the judgment is coming, these people have been punished, the other group have been glorified because of Christ that is in them. That's not you to say somebody's going up. No indication of that. But when the trumpet sound, there is a glorification. Praise God. Okay. So let's go down now quickly. I'll just take a look at this in the next few minutes for today. First uh, Corinthians 15 again, 51 to 52. We need to look at it because it's very important. All right. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. Which are not all sleep. Now you can see the word sleep. The word sleep means to die physically. Which are not all sleep, but which shall all be what? Change. The same thing that Jesus experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what describing here. Is that okay? Look at the next verse. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, he didn't say we shall be lifted up. He only said we shall be changed. We should understand that. Jesus was changed, or changed, and the matter of transfiguration. He wasn't lifted up. It's not something that takes you from the ground. The change is not something that takes you out. The change is... In a moment of... Okay, let's begin to look at it very closely. If you look at that, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And this is the most important thing. The common belief is that the rapture will take place in the split seconds. Alluding to the above scriptures that we have just read. Is that okay? But the truth is, the above scriptures is not saying that. It's not just indicating that. Let us understand here. The Greek word used here and only once in the entire New Testament is the word atomos. This, this word, in a moment. This word moment. This is the only time this word is used in the entire New Testament scripture. Now this word moment is from the Greek word atomos. Which is the true sense speaks of that which is indivisible or unseparable. Just as the Greek believed that the atom is the smallest individual particle of a matter in existence, then you need to get this right. Before now, the atom was supposed to be the indivisible particle or an element, whatever the case may be, which the Greeks believe, which we've been teaching in physics and whatever. In chemistry. Is that okay? Good. So, you have to notice very clearly here that this Greek word used here 
is the only place where this word is used and it has nothing to do with your eyelid flinking. I mean, thinking of how sharp, how quick. Because that's what the connotation is. You will know before you know it has happened. You know, I mean, you've seen pictures of some films. Maybe you just you're in the car with somebody and before you know, the driver is gone. Huh? I think you see all those films going on. They are based on this particular passage. Now, let me show you one more scripture where this thing is used in a way so that you can understand it. Very close to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. The difference between the atomos and moments. I want to show you the difference between atomos and the word moment. For our light affliction which is but for a moment. Work it for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now the word moment here is different from what you read in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is atomos. 2 Corinthians 4 is paratiqua or parotika. Parotika speaks of moment. So he's talking about light affliction, in other words, something that will not endure for a long time. P-A-R-A-U-K-I-T-A. Parukita. I mean parutika. That is the Greek word used here for moment. But for 1 Corinthians 15, it means atomic structure of your being. What he's saying is, Every atomic structure that makes you up, the element that composes your body, will receive a change. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking of moment in relation to second or times or days. This is where you use that word in relation to times or days or moments. You find that in Second Corinthians four seventeen, which is paro. But in 1 Corinthians 15, it speaks of your atomic structure. What he's dealing with is every bit of your being will receive a change. That's what he's talking about. So it's not going by moment in terms of time. Praise the living God. So in 1 Corinthians 15, the Holy Spirit never indicates the moment to mean that the time element such as seconds, as we commonly have always seen or believe it, but rather it's in the sense of our translation, our mortal body receiving a change in such an instance of time, so brief that cannot be divided or measured. So to be changed into a moment, atomos, we suddenly mean a change in all of our makeup. The atomic structure of our bodies, our very substance, into the glorious substance, of the resurrection body of Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is, when he's saying in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, what he's dealing with is, when the trumpet begins to sound, as they continue to sound for a long time, remember, many days of sounding, but a time comes when every bit of you will receive what? A change. Praise the Lord. So, 
you will not be looking at how do I describe this to you now? But I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Your body receives a transformation into that same glorious body that Jesus demonstrated on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what he's talking about. All these weak cells, weak bodies, gray hair. We're not talking about all these things. This is not the body originally God intended man to walk with on the face of the earth. All of these things were passing through sicknesses, death, old age and aging processes. All of these things are directly connected to the fall of Adam in the garden. I don't know if you understand what I mean. But now God is reversing that. And he's taking the message to do that. That's what I'm saying. Praise the living God. So at the last trump, we're talking about the physical bodies receiving a supernatural change. The transformation, the metamorphosis, exactly the same that Jesus had. Praise the Lord. Are you there? And so, we're saying this body, now if you look at the scripture, we have, there is a celestial body and there is a terrestrial body. This body is terrestrial body. But the body we're talking about is what? Celestial body. Which is another word you can use, a heavenly body. Is that okay? And I'm telling you that that's the kind of body you are going to be using to walk on the face of this earth. You are not going anywhere in terms of rapturing up on the face of the earth because there's a change. The change that is coming is the one that enables your body to receive a supernatural change from a celestial, I mean terrestrial body to what? A celestial body. That's what he's talking about. Praise the Lord. The very same body with which Jesus rose. Now let's look at the example of this body. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 39, very quickly. Now, this is when Jesus rose from the grave. The disciples were all frightened. They were afraid. They locked up the windows and the doors. Because they felt they're going to be persecuted. Their Lord, I mean, I've just been killed, or whatever the case may be. But hear the story here. The Bible says, now, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. They were discussing, they were complaining. I mean, what has happened? Jesus has been crucified. This was about the third day. Is that okay? Right. And then the Bible says, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Verse 37. But they were terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they have seen a spirit. What a mean here? They have seen a ghost. Is that okay? And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why did that thought arise in your hearts? Verse 39. Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit had no flesh and bones as you see me have. No flesh and bones. Ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like this. What is the difference? Now he walks in flesh and bones, not flesh and blood. For you now, you walk in flesh and blood. But this body does not need blood to survive. That means you don't need food to survive. 
you live by the Spirit. But you have flesh and you have bone, which is the framework of God's tabernacle. Is that okay? This is the kind of body. The body that can go through walls, windows are locked, anything. Think about it. You can still move through. You don't need planes to travel. You don't need vehicles to go to wherever you need to go to. You are a spirit being, not a ghost. You want to eat, you can eat. But it's not food that sustains you at this stage. You know, Jesus ate fish with the disciples when he rose from the grave. I mean, if you understand that. Not because he was hungry. Not because the food or the fish would be that sustains him. You can eat, but that is not because if you don't eat, you will die. Because you eat to be able to have blood forming your system to sustain you. Leviticus tells us that, 1117, the life of the flesh is in the blood. But the life of the spirit being is in the spirit. It's not in the blood. You understand what I'm saying? This is the body that the sound of the trumpet brings us into, not to fly away. Praise God. This is the same body that Moses and Elijah appeared with on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, Peter, James, and John, they saw Moses and Elijah. Am I correct? Good. They saw literally human beings. Moses and Elijah. They recognized them. Where did they come from? Praise the Lord. They were operating in the same body of glory. For when a man dies, God gave the spirit another body. Which is the body of glory. Praise the Lord. So we can see that this transformation into a glorified body is already connected to the influence or the blowing of the last trump of the message at the fullness of time because the message itself contains life. It has nothing to do with the rapture lifting of the people into the sky. Nothing to do with that. Praise the Lord. Now before we just go up, let me just touch the next word that connects to that and I will close for tonight. The word is twinkle. The twinkling. So what then is the twinkling of an eye? The word twinkling is from the Greek word repay. R-H-I-P-E. Meaning a jack of the eyes. The word is taken from the root word ripto. Which indicates a sudden motion to turn with a rapid movement. A stroke to toes or fling. So the fact is, the world is dealing with actions and motion and not necessary. The swiftness of the movement of the eyelids in relation to time. It is a matter of movement that relates to like a jerking resulting in a change of direction or a sudden refocusing of your attention. Let me give you a simple illustration. We know how frightened we can be when there is darkness in a place. So take for instance, at about 12 midnight, not in any place where you have uh, maybe generators or sand, wherever. Everywhere is just calm, dead, dead calm, and you are in a dark room. 
Is that okay? Are you listening to me? All of a sudden, somebody opens the door. What will be your natural response? A swift ejection. That's what it means. So, you refocus your attention. As if you were sitting this way, and somebody opened the door behind you, you are going to sharply turn. That's what it means. A sharp turning to another direction. That's what a twinkling of an eye means. So now, you see, we're going to have a change of direction from the way we're walking as human beings under the influence of the Adamic system. That takes you back to, I mean, what the scripture will tell you. Can we take it, Second Corinthians? We start from here next week. But let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse, the last two verses. The last two verses. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now I need to I need to get this clear in your mind. The Lord is that spirit. What do you mean by that? That spirit. What do you mean by that spirit? The Lord is the Holy Spirit. When he said that spirit, remember what 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 Peter said on the day of Pentecost? This is that which is spoken by Prophet Joel. When he said that, you are referring to something. Is that okay? So when he said the Lord is that spirit, it's describing something. What is that supposed to mean? The Holy Spirit you are talking about today is the same person as the Lord. Is that okay? The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Verse, verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, doing what? Beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are what? Change into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So when you have a change of direction to begin to focus on Christ, you become exactly as He is. So the twinkling means a sudden change, I will even say, of your thinking, of your mind, of your intents. Listen, when when you really come to a place of, oh my God, why am I? It's just like David will cry, oh my soul, why is that quieted within me? When something strikes you and your attention is shifted from everything that is going on around you, that's the twinkling of an eye. When a sudden understanding comes to you and you can say, this is not me, I can't live this life, that is the twinkling of an eye. You're moving from the focus you had to another direction. Something just struck your mind and you begin to reject the things that you seemingly hate, but ordinarily you could not leave them. But now you can leave them. Now you can change from them. Your attention is got very focused. And that's what I mean by twinkling of an eye. It has nothing to do with the move of the eyelid or in a simple moment. It's not dealing with that. Praise the living God. That's a refocusing of direction. That's what a twinkling of an eye means. So what's the Bible telling us? When the trumpet begins to sound, as our attention begins to get refocused from the direction we are facing, to facing the Lord, there will be a change within all of our atomic structure. Every bit of our being will receive a change. From mortar to immortality. From corruption to incorruption. The same glory of the Lord This is what the scripture is talking about. It's not talking about a change in terms of when the trumpet sound and then the next thing your feet are off the ground. It's not talking about that. Praise the living God. Did you understand what I said tonight? I'll see you next week. Thank you.